Got it. So yeah, that's what I was talking. I think I just wanted to brainstorm future episodes. We uh, so I, I started with uh, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. That quote right there. There's a couple mm-hmm. different ways you can go with that quote. One is you can talk about extremism, and I'm thinking of an episode like, "What is so bad about extremism?" Something like that, <laughs> because. Um, you know, Mother Teresa was extreme. Yeah. Is extremism all bad? <laughs> right. Yeah. Mother Teresa was extreme. Jesus was extreme. I mean, the entire early church was extreme, right? <laughs> On certain things. And, and so the- were the Pharisees who, who stoned the early Christians, you know, and so were the Romans who... Uh, who persecuted the church. They were extreme. Sure. Well, and extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. You know who said that was Barry Goldwater. Mm. He said it at the Cow Palace in, in 1964 at the GOP convention in San Francisco, which is just over that bridge right there. And harry jaffa was the one that wrote it so it's it's you know i don't know you say he's quoting is it a harry jaffa quote or is it a well a, a goldwater quote well jaffa wrote it goldwater said it and it's aristotelian obviously jaffa did his doctorate on aristotle yeah um and yeah, so let's let's get the quote before us. Extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. What's yeah. interesting about the quote is that the Aristotelian mean between extremes for moral virtue is, you know, briefly uh, to illustrate, you know, on one extreme you have, you might have uh, cowardice uh, as a deficiency. And on the other end, you might, as an excess, you might have um, foolhardiness. And in the middle, you have courage. The, the mean between extremes would be the, the moral virtue. Um, <clears throat> so he's saying extremism, which you normally think of as a vice in Aristotelian ethics, in defense of liberty. extremism when you're defending liberty is no vice and in that moment in 1964 um it had a people well democrats were frightened about that (laughs) the way the way he was saying it they were uh well put it this way i'm not sure if they really were frightened but they said they were frightened. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. So that's one topic. Here's another topic. Well, you know, that's very similar also. Just, I want to say to Patrick Henry, right? Patrick Henry made it even more concise. Live free or die. That's, that's that same quote. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm just going to jump, go through this list. Okay. Evolution and racism are cozy together. 
walls work. Uh, another way to put it is walls protect people and property. Walls protect property and people, however you want to say it. Gun violence saves lives. These would all be titles of our episodes. Right. Uh, Democrats believe the N-word has magical powers. <laughs> what I mean by that is that uh, there's very few words that have magical powers. How about how about for a but, title? But there's something different about the N-word. It, it's it, it can magically transform mentioning it. And I'm not right. even talking about using it. I'm talking about. So you have to talk about the use mention distinction. Right. But merely mentioning it could turn can turn a non-racist into a racist magic right we should title that uh uh in words and unicorns <laughs> wow what do you mean by that go i don't know when you said magical it made me think of rainbows and unicorns okay you know so just in words and unicorns let me let me go down the list a little bit more we could we can come back to these Gun violence helps women. I'm not trying to be abrasive. I'm not trying to be like, you know, I'm, I'm avoiding the typical things they tell you to do, like put a number in there, put a number in there five ways. Women, <laughs> you know, w- gun violence helps women. I'm not going to put numbers in there. Okay. There's no lists. Okay. I'm, you know, you're not children. Democrats have Republican beliefs. I, I like that one. I like that one too. You could, you could, yeah, you could say the other way around. Yeah, too. I was just going to say that could cut both ways. Sure. Yeah. Democrats have Republican beliefs. Um, what I mean by that is Democrats self-censor their Republican beliefs, and the the only difference is on campuses. I just say my Republican beliefs, and then they they self-censor and act like they feel mm. bad about it. So, mm. like for example. They they self censor. They do believe gun violence saves lives because if there's an active shooter on campus, shirt, shooting all of us defenseless people, to statutorily defenseless people, because uh, you're a felon if you carry on campus here in California, even if you have a concealed carry permit. So you're statutorily defenseless. Uh, so you're because you're a felon automatically, you're treated as a felon which is the same way we treat active shooters. They're felon. So innocence versus guilt is totally ignored in the context of active shooting. Self-defense itself is now a crime. And, and yet uh, we all know that gun violence saves lives because the person you're going to call to help you has a gun. (laughs) That's right. Everybody knows gun violence saves lives, but you're not, you can't say it. Right. So anyway, YouTube is a Democrat platform. I think that we need to talk about that at some point. Uh, there's a lot actually we could say about that, especially with Joe Rogan. Oh yeah. Um, YouTube censors honest disagreement, which is kind of what I mean by it's a it's a Democrat platform. YouTube yeah. censors honest disagreement. And you could say Republicans do too. Sometimes I think, especially on Christian campuses, hmm. honest disagreement is uh, is censored. Uh, you could say YouTube punishes innocent honest disagreement. I want to say I want to say innocent because uh, they might think purposeful misinformation is not innocent. I'm not talking about that. 
doing okay and then here's a little bit of egghead stuff um political phenomenology that's what i'm calling it where you describe do you know what i mean by phenomenology of course were you i know what you mean by phenomenology i'm putting those two together yeah okay well do i i can't remember if you were on in the uh the 2002 biola epistemology to epistemology of perception in class it was in the spring gary deweese was the professor um we met in the philosophy house no it was a very I, small class i can't remember if you were in it no i wasn't I have, in that one i have the uh <laughs> i have the what do you call it the class roster for one year later 2004 no it wasn't not in 2002 it was 2003 spring of 2003 okay the the uh i have the class roster for one year later 2004 philosophy of religion where swinburne came in from england oh yeah yeah you're in that class yeah so there's a lot of classic people from our background in that class well anyway um including two pepperdine now they're pepperdine tenured professors now at pepperdine they, no, they they're both it. in that class <laughs> huh they made it they made it yeah well i think there's an la city college professor that was in that class too anyway um but uh okay going back to the epistemology of perception uh class i mentioned uh, we had to read robert sokolowski's book introduction to phenomenology okay well it's just about phenomenology is people say doing phenomenology they mean describing your experience carefully Mm -hmm. and this helps you understand the world and explain things and and i've thought about american politics like that where it requires careful description of your experience so I've thought about a political phenomenology. That's what I mean by just describing like all, all this is like basically phenomenology. Um, gun violence saves lives. Well, what do you mean right. by that? Censor, uh, Dem- Democrats self-censor. So, okay. Well, I don't know what you think about all that, but <laughs> we could go back to, is there one that you want to go back to or two or three? That was a lot. Um, yeah, I know. Sorry. I just wanted to get it all out and just get you hearing what I'm thinking about. And what was the, uh, what were the first ones that you threw out before? Uh, extremism in defense of liberty is no vice. That's what we started with. Actually, we started with a follow up for Denver Seminary episode that you liked yesterday. Um, the one where he was talking about, I think it's episode 51 with Mark. That reminds Young. me. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me what you, you had mentioned one of the reasons you wanted to start recording just the brainstorming part here yeah. was because some things I replied to a couple things you had said and some were interesting and some were mm-hmm surprising you use the word surprising so i was curious what surprised you of what i said when i think it was when we were talking about following up from yesterday 
the Denver Seminary podcast I mentioned, uh-huh. you mentioned something about going down a rabbit hole, not, not rabbit hole. You uh, mentioned, tide pool, but yeah. Yes, hole, that's, what, that's what you said. You said a tide pool. Getting sucked down into it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was an interesting mental image for me. Oh, maybe say more about what you were meant by that. Well, I, I think that the whole idea of it, I was trying to come up with a mental image of some type of vortex that you're getting sucked into that you can't get out of and you can't find your way out. And in, in fact, you're, you're not even trying to find your way out at a certain point you're, you're in it and you're just going every, yes, I'm trying to think of it, of like, even even like it's cut maybe maybe it's maybe quicksand is a better is a better mental analogy because that does capture the 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 struggle right that the the mental uh ideological struggle that we're go we go through as we're trying to sort through all and sift through all the different pieces the more we struggle with the pieces and try to nail down conclusions and see where each piece fits the deeper we get you know and we get sucked into we go deeper and deeper and and then but we still but we still have this this sense of of uh uncertainty or doubt even even when we even when it seems like all the pieces are where they belong you know so there's still a constant struggle um, yeah. Just, I guess the idea that I was trying to get across with the tide pool was, was the, once you get a poor conclusion or a set of conclusions that are poorly done um, and you start applying them, well, then those conclusions commit you to other future conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you, if you have those conclusions is, you know, firm in your noetic structure beliefs, then, then you start to go places that you wouldn't have gone if you had, didn't have those conclusions. Okay. Um, that, that's a little abstract for me, but let me. Well, think of, think of mathematics. Maybe apply that for, apply that. Well, there was a time when we used to think that, uh, (laughs) That's a little uh, awkward for me to say that it was um, it's abstract for me because taught philosophy for 15 <laughs> years. It's a little abstract. You know, that's really abstract. Well, we, man. Okay. Sorry. We all teach different parts though. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, I know it, what I was going to ask you is really quick. What part of the Denver seminary podcast brought that to that image to your mind the i think it was episode 51 with mark young i believe it's referenced in the previous yeah he i i remember that it was toward the end it was probably in the last 10 minutes probably the last you know 10 or 15 minutes of it um it wasn't very long actually it was shorter than i thought it would be um okay but uh it was the part where he was just recapping what happens when we go, when we have, I, let me see, I'm trying to think it, he was recapping and 
what happens when we when we take on trying to sift through the ideas that you know you you get you're trying to sort out consp- you know conspiracy type stuff and okay. you don't know where it's going to go um so, you know something gets said that makes seems to make sense it fits the data but um right in other words it's hard to keep track of what's going on because media isn't really there to help us through well that's true yeah that part for sure like we're not getting any help we're we're trying to sort through everything but but all these extra all these extra sources that are intended to help things make make it easier actually compounding more possibilities right and making it increasingly difficult it's kind of like it, it, it with information one of the things and i don't remember which side i i don't remember if it was the denver podcast because i listened to two of them or the crenshaw one um i listened to two of them back to back um but but uh it, it, i got another thought about how when we moved over to computers um and and documented starting documenting everything online um i remember when this happened you know uh we would save these pdf files um and then because i was in the mortgage industry at the time (laughs) and uh we would save these thick old thought we would have these files Mm -hmm. but then we'd get them converted to pdf so that we could store them you know we were trying to store everything online yeah. But then everybody was worried about storage crashing or or getting erased or or something happening to storage. Yeah. So all it did was just create another copy of originals. So we had the originals and then we had the 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 other one and then we had this this storage. So at the beginning it and for many years for decades actually it just all all the digital stuff did was just increase the amount of paper that was used because we had to have backups um and mm-hmm. it feels that very similar in uh in the inf- in this information explosion um this information age now you've got uh information and free speech and now you've got you don't have you know academically vetted journals you don't have publishers who have you know, at one time you would think, or at least some are trying to put out solid, you know, verifiable information. You don't have uh, reporting. You have a lot of opinion. You have a lot of anecdotal. You have people using using newspaper opinion pieces for support in academic journals. Um, I mean, it, it's crazy, right? So you've got all this plethora of compounding information. Uh, and and it's very hard for the individual to so sort the, through all of that. Okay, so the issue is lack of trust, yeah. lack of lack of authority, uh, centralized authority, maybe a plurality, a, a plethora, not plurality, a plethora of an overwhelming, yes, gushing. Yeah. Uh, river uh and it's not even a river it's like a floodplain of (laughs) of disparate of opinion voices yeah yes yes like a cacophony chatter 
a cacophony yeah. just and yeah, yeah it's Light it's noise. Um, it's it, 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 i think it's overwhelming to the mind the human mind yes we're not designed yeah. to take in all that and it has emotional effects it's got spiritual formation effects because oh absolutely we're we are now uh feeling like we're so disoriented that we can't have the peace and calm that we so crave the serenity that comes yeah. from having somebody tell us what really is true and we just kind of oh yeah that, that's everything's disordered we feel like we have to figure it out for ourselves right and that's yeah. a lot of work and it's it's oh, and you uh, hear that it's overwhelming yeah it's overwhelming and it, yeah everybody's their own everybody's a professor everybody's an expert everybody's a scientist everybody's a doctor <laughs> okay yeah well actually there's the same number of people that are those things there's probably more people that are graduating from college because they're great inflated than before that's true <laughs> i don't think i don't think that's where you were going with that but no no but that's also but true ironically people like thomas soul has a quote that uh something like we've never had so many educated people that uh, we've never had so many people with degrees that aren't educated or something yes. like that yes yes <laughs> There's a mismatch between the number of degrees and the level of education. <laughs> the degrees mean little, uh, little. They, they mean less and less in terms of actual education. Right. Yeah. People get degrees to justify saying whatever they want rather than. Actually well, and I, I can tell you from the inside, I know. I've, I've, ha I've been in the inside of K through 12 and I've been on the inside of college education. And I can tell, I can tell you the structural problems that lead to that, the structural problem. And this is a topic itself. I got to write this down. Structural grade inflation, structural incentives to grade inflation and what grade inflation does. Great, great inflation is, is death to a civilization. Death. Yeah. And we've got a whole generation that thinks they're, we've got a, probably more than a generation now of people, young people that think they're just the most intelligent people in the, on the planet. And uh, <laughs> they don't have any common sense. And they, they, they lack a lot. They, they lack a lot more than they are aware of. Put it that way. Yeah. I think that's one level of it. What another, a deeper level maybe, or just another level. I don't know if it's deeper, but another way to describe what you just said is I'm not sure they really believe that, but they're okay. They act as if they're okay with it. Mm. Uh, here's what I mean by that. I, I think this is an example of Democrats have Republican beliefs. 
I think Democrats think that grade inflation is bad, but they don't act like it's bad. And the, the Republican belief here would be grade inflation is bad. The reason I say it's a Republican belief is because I was the only one fighting great inflation that I could see. And I was the rep only Republican there. <laughs> the Democrats were giving into it left, left and right, or I should say left and left. <laughs> but it, you, if you point out great inflation to students, they're little Democrats in training. If you point out great inflation, they, they will admit and they recognize that it's not good. It's not ideal, but they still want it. It's oh, like, right. it's like children, like you were mentioning yesterday, mm. you remember what you said yesterday or, um, you said something about you're the worst person in the world. When you tell your kids to clean their room or something, Oh yeah. Yeah. You're evil. You're you yeah. are evil. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, my students come to, to ask me for extra credit, for example, I just tell them extra credit is great inflation because and now you're so because mean. you don't, you don't risk anything by not doing it and you only gain something. And all you're doing is providing extra work for me, the professor, I don't get paid anymore. So, I mean, if it was extra credit, you got something out of it and I got something out of it, that would be, you know, as a part of my paycheck, I'm not talking about bribery. I'm talking about <laughs> not corruption, but just like, if it was just a structure where the more work that you made me do, I got paid more. Well, then I would have a structural incentive to give you great inflation, but my, my structural incentive to give you great inflation is just so that you don't complain about your low grade and cause paperwork for me later. So you actually save me work when you don't complain. And that's why people, that's why professors give great the great inflation well and you'll also get five stars on your internet review of the professor well, that's part of the structural incentive right okay but but see the great inflation takes takes all sorts of forms uh, extra credit is one of them you know i i mean having extra credit um i i i usually or, or, or here's another one dropping. Will you drop the, the lowest score of a quiz? <laughs> and oh, I, sure. I, okay. So I, or the two lowest scores or something they're used to that. Cause I would give pop quizzes to enforce the reading. And so I said, no, I dropped the highest score. <laughs> I dropped That's the two, great. I dropped the two highest scores and they say, That's not fair. I said, well, what's, what's, why was it fair to drop the lowest score? I said, tell you what, I'll, 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 I'll meet you in the middle. I'll negotiate with you. This is the art of the deal, right? I said, I will, I will flip a coin. And if it's heads, I'll drop the highest score. If it's tails, I'll drop the lowest score. Do you want me to drop quizzes? You, you make the decision. Or, or here, here's a novel thought. Here, here's a thought. Here's just an amazing thought, a mind-blowing thought. How about you just take the quizzes and do the best you can each time, and then that's the grade you earned. I know this is mind-blowing to you, but you could just treat this class almost as if it's real life. Almost. 
Almost. I mean, you could, instead of it being Disneyland or something, you could just treat it like it's reality and, and you're learning and you could just take your own education seriously. How about that? And, and you'd get an amazing grade because you worked your ass off and you actually learned the material. Cause that's, that's how I design it is if you learn it, you will, it will be amazing for your mind and your soul. That's the way it used to be done. That's the, that's the way the, 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 uh, the Puritans did it. That's right. The, the old Mathers, the old <laughs> Mathers in new England, good old cotton and increase, you know, poor, poor Samuel and Timothy. And I'm, I'm doing all that name dropping here, Richard oh, or, Mather. Or another way to approach it would be don't go to school at all. This is how this is how the, the this is how the old Olsons did it. Brought up old Mathers, and I'm like, oh, how did our family? Well, well, we, I don't know what happened raised, to the Mathers since then. Just full right, right. But we we raised Harvard cattle and Yale, and then what happened? I now I'm at Wayland. We now. raised cattle and worked the land. You know, we used our hands. We had a hard life, right? So. <laughs> you know, we were out, we were out learning all of these life uh, lessons and educational skills um, through common sense and hard work. That would be another way to approach education. And it's, it can be just as effective, you know, for, for living life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, another yeah. topic uh, you just meant. Uh, another topic would be when we talk about ancestors, why do we only go, we, we don't talk about our, our, we, we do a lot of censoring when we talk about our ancestors. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause right. I, you know, I mean, we have so many ancestors and how far back do you go? Right. I was reading this, uh, this kind of academic book I bought in California. I bought it on the central coast, man. It's freezing up here, by the way. It's just, oh, sorry. Freeze. It, yeah this golden gate bridge behind me it's just freezing it's that onshore flow or specific ocean behind me um i bought this book in monterey at at my favorite used bookstore in california at the time which has since closed down uh because of the pandemic but um just a couple hours south uh it, it, it was a book on the California redwoods, I think, or something like that. It was like the flora and fauna of this area. And uh, they were talking about the Indians, but they didn't want to use the word Indian. You could just tell there's something it's like you, if you read Indian books about Indians and in law, Indian law, which I I've done a lot of reading and research on Indian law, uh, there's a point in time in the scholarship where they there's all of a sudden they just stop using they the you the word indian they they replace it with native american (laughs) and and the word native was always used but it meant like something synonymous with savage or something right so okay so all of a sudden there's this political correctness of of using the word that was used for savage but you just slap american on it like instead of saying savage american you say native american right like that's so much better than indian i guess i don't know why they say that the law the laws all all say indian the reservations are all called indian all the official 
words are Indian. But anyway, um, I, so just I, I just I say I say Indian still because that's the classic word, and I'm Native American. I'm not Indian. Um, I'm I'm a native Coloradan. I was born. That means you're born in Colorado. Everybody knows the word native means you're born there. If I say I'm a native of Denver or a native of Colorado, everybody knows that means I was born there. So in other words, I'm talking about my ancestors. I'm I'm talking about my parents. Right. That's how far back I went. I went my parents. That's I'm not going back all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get creation evolution. Okay. Well, are we, is it Adam and Eve or is it, uh, you know, some kind of flora Fish. and fauna that's not human, you know, or something. Right. Um, well, anyway, this book that I bought in Monterey said the original Native Americans, when they first arrived, in 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 america and I, I was just like wait hold on they're going across the bering strait they were in they they started their journey in russia in, yeah doesn't that it's now exactly. russia but they were native americans when they were in russia see that's how crazy th these people are. <laughs> everybody knows the indians came from asia uh, originally that people group with those characteristics came over from asia and that's why they were called indians because they re resembled Asians that people were familiar with. Well, anyway, okay, whatever. But um, it just it just shows you the length of that people go to to avoid that word Indian, and they they would say Native American when they weren't even native to America. The people <laughs> they were talking about, the first Native Americans arrived. <laughs> do we do that with any other people group? <laughs> you know, like with with the. Uh, you know so anyway um there's all sorts of little threads we could talk about with when we do that with the with the the washington native americans right <laughs> yeah yeah well that's true too yeah only football teams those are the only other people groups we do that with yeah file this teams. under here here's a this is i'm going to file this under language is tricky Lang oh we can do language ooh, that, language games or language is tricky i that don't like language think of lewis's that makes me think of c.s lewis's books he wrote a couple of books on words mm, really good yeah, stuff. yeah that's right use of language i i think to effectively discuss american politics you have to be tuned in to how tricky language is and just be on top of that um yeah a lot of the stuff that's going on in America is about wor using words, what words you can use, what words you can't, what words people want to make you use or not yeah. use um, the consequences for saying a word or saying two words or whatever. Um, e even the pandemic. Right. So um, the, there was a, a podcast coming out of Stanford uh, during like, I think it was March of 2020. It was the, I think it was the Pacific century, I believe. Yeah. I think it was the Pacific century, which is a podcast with John Yu and Misha Oslin. Mm. I think mm. they're, they're mm -hmm. Asian scholars, Pacific rim scholars 
actually john Yu's not a pacific he's asian uh, that's why he's on the podcast is he's an economist he's, isn't he no he's a professor of law at berkeley oh law law that's right yeah he was in the bush administration high up in well he was pretty high up in the bureaucracy and anyway they called it the wuhan flu when it first started because yeah. that's where it was from right just like spanish flu right right people still say spanish flu i still say wuhan flu i say wuhan flu too i believe it came out of a lab there in wuhan and i don't know all the story behind that but i just be- i believed it at the very moment i heard about it but anyway i don't want to get too into that why my background you know i have a background that maybe lends some uh that most people don't have but in terms of that but the but i don't hear people say wuhan flu typically like you know it's it's considered crude and uncouth um especially on campus like you you would be censored almost immediately uh, you know i'm sure if you said wuhan flu but but why not say it you know it's better than saying you know it's less crass than say kung flu or something like that oh you mean like kung fu yeah oh yeah that 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 was well, one that went around here to me that's not really interesting to say it that way because the the Wuhan is a specific city, right? Right. It's not a race. It's not a martial art. Right. <laughs> that you know, the martial art, the martial arts are. I have great respect for martial arts, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that has anything to do with getting sick, but, but a specific facility and a specific city that's very specific, and just like the Spanish flu, it's actually even more specific than Spanish. Because you imagine if you said Spanish flu and you said it was actually a city in Spain, it was like Barcelona or something. And all you did was say Barcelona flu. You're not, you're not even, um, you're not, you're not blaming Spain, right? You're not, you wouldn't even be blaming Barcelona. You would be just saying, this is where it came from. Right. In this case, in the case of the Wuhan flu, I, I do believe that the com- Chinese Communist Party, which is an alt-left, alt-left, left-wing, got socialist government, fascist socialist government. Fascist and socialist go together, just like in the Nazis. They were socialists, so they were fascists. They, 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 they are responsible for much of the damage. Yeah. And uh, the alt left has nuclear weapons. And also, unlike the alt right, the alt left has nuclear weapons and incredibly powerful cultural and economic weapons at its disposal, including the what communists have always weaponized, which is language. Yeah. So you have to be aware of language. That's why I purposely say Wuhan flu. I could say, yeah, anyway, we're getting into that topic. That's really a specific topic, and we don't we can get into that later if you want. But did you have any other 
we we talked about a lot of stuff here. Jeez, structural incentives. Very good brainstorming session, I thought. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot here. Um, not at the moment. Um, the the ones I didn't I didn't do an additional brainstorming session after last night um, or yesterday. Uh, yeah. So the the ones that I brought up yesterday, I'm trying to I'm trying to think that uh, was it was it I mean language it, what we just talked about maps onto the use of language uh, political correctness that's what we were you know that whole idea so we've just kind of developed that that one a little bit more that that's the one I think that is one of the more intriguing ones the idea of self censorship and. Okay, well, we'll pick uh, we'll pick from this list and move forward then. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all we have for today. See you next time. See ya.